Hello and welcome to the Wicked Awesome Cast, episode 240. And I'm just going to open this podcast up right now with fuck daylight savings time. Really? You, I, you say I want to do the intro to the podcast and that's what you come in hot with? Like, I thought you had a good story or something like that, but you no. come in with fuck daylight savings time. No, no story. We've Okay, so for people who don't know, we record this Sunday mornings. And so the time changed. And I have been a long time opponent will of daylight savings times so i have no fun story to open up with there is no anecdote no fun you know little preamble or little chat i'm simply opening this up with fuck daylight savings time i didn't realize we'd have our like how could you say something so controversial yet so brave this early in the episode that typically happens in like the news or emails but no we're starting off with it. it I will I will find a way to slip it in at some point during the show itself, but I just wanted to open it up for all of you and say fuck daylight savings times. Well, it's, and- it's it's obviously an antiquated you know thing that doesn't need to exist anymore. Nope. Like we we have we have like lights now, you know, light bulbs and stuff like that. So yeah. We can just stay with one or the other. We don't need to keep changing back and forth. There's literally no reason for it at this point. A time when we had to rely on candles for lighting. So, Okay, yeah. so I took all the bacon fat and other fats I've been saving the last pandemic time span in a jar into a candle last night, so don't knock my candles. <laughs> Wish I was yeah. kidding on no. that one. No, candles are great. Uh, I have candles myself, some really cool ones that I got as a gift. We are not about to go into a long talk about candles on this podcast. We've had some weird tangents on this video game podcast. But candle types is not what I will abide by. We are not Yankee Candle. That's where my foot comes down. Passing sarcastic so what have you two been up to this week? I I actually haven't been doing too much. Um, I finally got to try the Outrider uh, demo, I think. What'd you think? Mm. Actually, so it's... Um, mm, <laughs> let's see. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. Okay. What's it called? I, uh... The movement feels weird. Yes, I had to tune around with. Uh, so, are you using mouse and keyboard or controller? Yes, mouse and or mouse and keyboard. Yeah, so that's the wrong way to play that game. I've learned. Like it's oh. the feeling of mouse and keyboard is bad. The feeling of controller on a PC is real good after you mess around with those settings. The defaults for it in general are kind of garbage. I've learned. Oh yeah, it's it's. <sighs> You know what it is like. Okay, so Division Two because it's it um, it's just it feels really like so Division Two has very smooth like almost like it's smooth when it kind of glides into cover and things like that and like there's almost a look a little bit kind of like hey you know this is how you kind of glide there like it's and there's like a delay in the gliding like if you're shifting from left to right like it'll 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 like oh oh stutter step okay let's go like you know like if you're playing football and you're like shifting you know kind of where you're going 
this game just kind of feels like it's immediate. Like if I hit right and he moves right and then I hit left, it's like absolutely like, oh, immediately. There was no struggle shifting my direction from one way to the other. Okay, so this is weird. But the thing you think of as a positive division, I absolutely hate about the division. Oh, it's, okay. It's, it's, yeah, I, I want my character to fucking move the direction I tell them to the instant I tell them to. Like, the division is me go- You're saying this, I'm like, wait, he likes the fact that it feels like your fucking character concrete shoes constantly? Like, oh, I'm gonna move. It's like, you shoe want me to move? Yeah. I'm like, is that a thing people like, actually? Okay, so that's, that's interesting, actually. Okay, yeah, because... My biggest point at the division has always been moving, and it feels like you're wearing like sticky shoes or something. Like it takes a second to gain anything resembling momentum. But yeah, no. So I will also say, like, the one place that works great in the division is in cover. In the division, in Outriders cover, it does not feel good. That cover system is a thad garbage. Yeah. That being said, um, the the recoil and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, not really yeah. a big deal. It feels good. Um, Guns feel good. Yeah, and Pyromancer, uh, to start with. So, um, yeah, like it's it's it actually wasn't too bad. Like I had to say, my friends started up a uh, the Technomancer, I guess. So he's gonna do that. I'm Cowardly Nerd Wizard. Got it. Got it. <laughs> but beyond that, like, um, it's okay. I haven't gotten too far yeah. into it. The fucking story mission, like, opening up, jeez, is fucking I wasn't crazy. kidding, was I? Holy shit! Were, were, were you here when we talked about the fact that that thing, like, once you get past the prologue, it's like, we're gonna lean as hard into our fucking M rating as we can immediately. I mean, even during the prologue, when you were, like, driving... Before the okay, so I guess can, can we talk spoilers? I guess in the opening part of the mission. Yeah, it's a demo. I, I, I fuck it. Who okay. cares? Okay, so well, your character, which is like some sort of weird weather storm thing, you get put in cryostasis because you are like hurt or something. Yeah. Um, and you get once you get put in cryostasis, you come back out. It's been apparently a huge chunk of time, and these dudes who are years. not the people. Yeah. These dudes who have not were not the ones that were with you when they put you in cryostasis are dragging you out. You're supposed to be sort of sort of weird anomaly, or you're some sort of rarity now at this point because most of the outriders, which is what you are, are dead. Um, you're like driven while you're cuffed up through a valley of hanging bodies in a trench area. I think you were and out like there we talked about this. Yeah. I- I, yeah, I had the exact same reaction of where the shit did this come from? Yeah. I was like, oh, shit! So, um, Did you catch the fact that it's basically the Skyrim opening, but worse? Yeah, it's like, hey, let's just go full, like, like full apocalyptic, fucking gruesome ass opening for Skyrim. Yeah. Is essentially what we did. Yeah, I was like, I- oh, okay, fucking cool. Did you play the mission where someone kills someone for you, and your character goes, "Hey, I was about to say my cool action line." Uh, no, not that's yet. A, that's a side mission that there you can play where your character gets pissed at someone for stealing their moment. It's it is that moment. I'm like, I'm gonna play this game, aren't I? Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. What the fuck? Anyway, that being said, the storyline alone is enough to keep me interested. 
Um, even with the weird movement and all that stuff. Um, so I will give it a go. Uh, but yeah, it's Thunder's Devil was kind of cool. I gotta say. Yeah, I, it's that's that's the best describe. It's like I don't know what's going on with this game yet, but it seems kind of cool. Like it, the fact it's like, did you get? It's not much in the demo, I guess. It's like three or four story missions. Did you get to the first like big boss fight? I just did the the prologue okay. to where I finally yeah, ran that, into that, that prologue is long, like a half hour long. It's it's really long, yeah. yeah. Never have to play it a so. second time, which I'm super thankful for. But yeah, no, I was surprised at a how long that was, and b that with like you never come back to this, do you? Like this is way too much for a thing that you can never come back to. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, well, it was really interesting. I will say, like that thinking ahead. That was actually really smart for me. Once you do the prologue on one character, you can create more characters and skip the prologue yeah. altogether. That's that's a well, that's really nice. good. That's actually a really good design. Yeah. Like that was like somebody actually thought that out and was considerate enough not to drag you through a whole fucking prologue, especially one as long as that one. You get to skip right to the part where Rebar gives you magic space powers. Yes. <laughs> So that okay, that alone, like just them being considered enough to start with that, like yeah. where you're like, yeah, do it once and then you're fine, is really good kind of design, I have to say. Yeah, especially for a game someone like had this. To, yeah, someone had the foresight to be like, yeah, no, let's just make them do it once. There's no need to repeat it. Like, okay, I respect that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's. That was that. Um, I am. I think I'm pretty much looking in the process of finding a new guild on WoW at the moment, just because it's... I'm trying to find a weekday guild, but I'm realizing a lot of weekday guilds raid on Thursdays, but I can't do Thursdays, because we have our... Um, we have other stuff that happens on Thursdays. Yeah. We have tabletop that we do Thursdays, so... It's uh, it's difficult. Why is it why Thursday I- of all days for raiding? So a lot of people do like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in the evenings. Some people do like Tuesday, Thursday. Some people do Wednesday, Thursday. Um, but Thursday tends to be a pretty common day. I don't know why. I mean, th- I mean, do you do on Thursdays? Like, let's be realistic. What? What? Like, I mean, I know we have our stuff, but like, realistically, what does society really do on a Thursday? Well, before Thursday, Thursday, but beyond that, yeah, not much. You know, like, you had the Monday TV show lineups, Wednesday had some okay-ish stuff, Tuesday for most, like, I don't know, it was like the raid reset day, but, like, what do you really do Thursdays that stands out that'd be like, oh, can't do that? Like, Fridays and Saturdays, people go out, Sundays are like a day off, you know, to relax, or if you're a church folk, you go to church kind of thing, like, you know, or, like, get together with the family, like, but Thursdays, they're kind of this weird day that people just kind of really don't have anything set. So, yeah. So it's been difficult trying to find a new guild that's competitive um, that also does not raid on a Thursday. I did find one that was really odd. It was Wednesday Sunday. Hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that one goes. Um... Here's one that actually I just was getting an update on that I wanted to make sure I put on the podcast. I might be doing a calendar photo shoot in Daisy Dukes in a Midrift. 
Okay, this podcast now contains two things we're not going <laughs> to talk about more. Uh, <laughs> apparently, Callan, uh, candles, and whatever the fuck Alex just said. Uh, <laughs> explain. I, I know I'm okay. really good at asking this, but explain. Okay, so there's somebody, somebody in one of the local like city groups here in uh, in Portland is like a fun photo shoots, and they did one a while ago with like dudes wearing like the chicken dresses in like a little farm setting. Chicken uh, dresses? It's they just look like it's hard to describe, but it's like it's basically like the old timey dresses, but they're like. Yeah, it's hard to describe. But anyway, it's like a bunch a of dudes. Farm dress? Yes, there we go. Chicken yeah. dress makes no fucking sense. Okay, see, I don't know these things. Well, well, well. Look at Mister SoCal using. I'm Mister City Slickers. City words like chicken dress. <laughs> Chicken and dresses and farm style are two totally different things. The chicken dress is a dress you put on your goddamn chicken to make it presentable. <laughs> but yes, so uh, they 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 uh, they do these like fun photo shoots, and they are like, "Hey, looking for somebody who'd be interested in like, or looking for guys who would normally like, you know, they have masculine looks, but." Would be interested in doing a shoot where they're wearing like some sort of like midriff kind of thing, or like you know, and Daisy Dukes and work boots and like a straw hat kind of thing for like a farm theme calendar thing. And I was like, hey, you know what? So I messaged a photographer, and they got back to me this morning. Um, and they kind of asked them, "Well, tell me a little bit about yourself," and you know, send me uh, some photos of just kind of capture your personality. And um, I sent some photos of myself from like doing various dumb things over the years, like when I wore my my uh Rompum should have gotten you this shoot period. The rop the rapper photo was in my portfolio, that's, that's if you will. Sell. <laughs> <laughs> so multiple rapper photos are in there. There is also the one where I wore uh my red and black like Dickie's work shirt with um F E printed on a piece of paper and stapled to my chest for the Iron Man premiere. So that was also another one that made the list. And everyone seems to always never get that one, and I always have to explain it. So I realized that one was never that great. But I like it. No, no, we I get it. It was it's clever. Funny. I thought it was clever and it was funny, and I fucking owned it. And people at the theater thought it was funny. My friends thought I was dumb. But I don't care. Um, and, yeah, there's a few other ones. My quarantine haircut photo was the one I sent as well. Where I don't know if you saw that. I remember that one back where I shaved the horseshoe uh, haircut oh, on my oh, head. Oh, we remember. Yeah. So I sent a few of those, and then I also sent. Uh, yeah, that was it. And so she was telling me she went through my profile to see the photos or some other ones, and then she happened to run across the post I made when I was talking to my Instagram scammer, the one who wanted to be my sugar mama. Oh yeah. And she was reading through that. She's like, "Okay, this guy has to be in my photo shoot." So I was like, all right. So um, I have to put together an outfit sometime in the near future because I will be shooting a calendar. <laughs> uh, you heard it here fo- first, I guess, among all the other merch we already offer as part of the Wicked Awesome Cast merch page. I, I guess we'll be selling access to Alex's upcoming OnlyFans account. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I actually was... Ha- I had this... Uh, so I was telling my boss at work that 
I was going to start an OnlyFans at some point, but it would be only me reviewing fans that I, like, have at home kind of thing. So we and found a message- third thing we will not continue talking about <laughs> this podcast. Yeah, like, this fan puts out good air, like, it's really solid, you know, that kind of thing. And literally just have nothing but fan reviews on it. But, um... It's just funny because out of the blue, my boss messaged me. He's like, you know, we were joking about the OnlyFans thing, but I couldn't stop thinking about the idea of you literally doing like, like an internet Amazon review of fans and posting it behind a paywall well, on so the internet. I, the, 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 where I went to in my mind was like a fan and like do basically sets of like a, in different stages of disassembly. At that point, I guess like. That's the OnlyFans account at that, which is like really artistically like the shit out of it. But it's like, oh yeah, we're gonna take the fan guard off on this one. Oh baby, we're gonna take them bolts out. Now we're moving the plastic housing for the rotational system. Oh yeah. I mean, you could do something like that. There's so much potential with a, a an OnlyFans that reviews fans. Like I was gonna do. Like I even had the idea of doing like a oh here's you know a twenty post special. Where I talk about like sports fans, because technically it's still a play on the word fan. And like, well, let's talk about like, let's talk about New England Patriots fans. That kind of thing. We suck so. and fuck you. <laughs> yeah. See, so, yeah, we could talk about that. Or we could talk about Raiders fans. Like, that would be. F- so. Anyway, quarantine has done a lot to me, okay, man? This is why these ideas sound great to me at the time. So. Uh, but yes, this is uh, this this is my week. I, I this is actually an interesting week that some stuff actually happened. Um, so yeah, I, I thought I was coming up I, uh, in here with like some bullshit hobby I've now picked up. I'm feeling better about myself now. Like we've, I, I'm glad you also had an equally weird week because I have also discovered a weird hobby I'm getting into. So, uh, do you two follow PS5 availability news at all? I'm, no, I'm subscribed to a lot of um, what do you call it? I'm I'm part of a lot of like price sniping viewing. Okay, yeah. Uh, so there's an, for it. So this was a very good week for PS5 restocks, and yeah, it I, was actually. I only took a picture of it once, but I digitally queued up for say eight or nine different sales of this and mm. my new hobby is now to queue up see if i get through get all the way through the purchasing process and then not buy a ps5 <laughs> i've now done that for every single digital queue i've queued up into and this was partially driven by the fact that my destiny kind of bunch of people that's where i'm getting the links from kind of thing and a bunch of people in that have been very actively seeking out trying to buy a ps5 will get in there with me, and they're like, and like, oh, what'd you get, Charlie? Fifth. What'd you get? 487th. Yeah, oh, so, ah, uh, you want me to buy it for you? <laughs> which has not... It sounds like the... Okay. Which, it's, it's not happened yet, but I'm now, now going to start posting pictures of me not buying PS5s to Twitter, because it's become a weird hobby. Like, it's... There's a thrill to it I didn't know I wanted in my life. Like You are going to get so much hate. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, no. Uh, like I, I got the I, I, the best spot I've gotten was fifth. The funniest one I got, I'm not, I don't remember which side it was, 
but I got through and basically was like, congrats, you're the last person in line. And I'm like, oh, but I'm not. The person behind <laughs> me is. I made that person, but yeah, no. So like, it's become this game where each thing will tell you how long you have to like go through the checkout process, and I'll take that entire time just to sit there because it's like I got fucking nothing better to do with my life right now. Fuck it, let's make some other people like really anxious on this. What's like you're next, you're next. You get one now. On one hand, I'm like I'm making someone's day better because they thought they're not going to get one, and now they're getting one. But on the other hand, I'm doing it on my terms, which is like with this weird sadistic twist to it. But, yeah, no, my luck has been really good on that topic so far, so uh, if you want to get a PS5, contact me, and we'll work something out, apparently. Yeah. Now that you mentioned it, guess who got a fucking 3080 graphics card? You? I was able to get one! Oh, good for you, man. Like, how many back alleys did you go down to find that? Yeah. Is this why you're launching the OnlyFans account, Alex? Kinda. I gotta fucking pay for it, right? Yeah. Why do you think I'm doing a calendar shoot? <laughs> Strip clubs are closed. It's time for the calendar shots. Exactly. Yeah, no, so um, I have a buddy of mine who has some connections in that world. Um, and he uh, look out for me. And so he hits me up, I think, was it two days ago? He hits me up at like eight in the morning. And he's like, hey, I got a 3080. That I, I got a hold of. Yo, you, you want, want this 3080? And I said yes. So I sent him the money. He got me the shipping information. Um, so I should hopefully have a new EVGA uh, 3080 nice. graphics card coming in. So, which well, is, I guess, the really reliable one. Hopefully, your P on your what's it? The power supply is powerful enough for it. Oh yeah, it is. No, yeah. I I, I future proofed in that sense. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I should be just fine. The only thing I do need to get though, um, as well as monitors, because my monitors are old, sixty, you know, sixty frame refresh rate monitors. So even with a thirty eighty, it's fucking wasted. Sure. But at least that'll have that, and then I can get my monitors soon once my OnlyFans kicks off. And uh, yeah. So well, aside from my dark hobby, I did check out something else this week. Oh. There is a Kickstarter game out there called Worship that if you like Pikmin or Lovecraftian cult simulators, you should maybe go check out. It's a very stylish, very pretty looking indie game, mostly black and white, that you play as a cultist. Um, You're going around converting people and shit like that. There's still plenty of time to jump into that Kickstarter if you want a cheap game kind of thing. I... There's a good community around it. The creators have been super good about talking to people. It's already funded, so it's kind of like just buying and waiting at this point as much as a Kickstarter video game is at the end of the day. But it seems cool, and as someone who does not like Pikmin, I like this game. <laughs> Got the right sensibility to it. It's dark. But mostly it's got a really cool art style to it. Hmm. Sounds really interesting. I like it. Yeah. Going on converting people to the cult and sacrificing people. Like the the trailer for it alone's great where it's a bunch of like Pikmin people cheering and someone having their guts ripped out and stuff and the Catholic Church being like, Why would you do this? And just knock Cthulhu there being like, This pleases me. That's why you do this. Yeah. 
Not much to say about that. It's a Kickstarter game, so we kind of always have a weird. It's not a full game, so we don't talk about that in full detail yet. But yeah, no, it's if it's your thing, definitely go check it out. Like it's, I, I cannot overstate how much I like. What was it Elvira from like the emo phase of cultural history? It's got kind of that vibe. It's lots of black and white and like big oversaturated colors on top of that to make things pop. Hmm. Hmm. It comes from a legit studio too. They've done stuff in the past, kind of thing. They're not total noobs at this, but yeah, no, I. That's mostly on my end. I'm camping and checking this thing out. But I don't, I don't know what it was anymore. I didn't write it down. <sighs> that probably wasn't that important. What have you been up to, Henry? All right. So just uh, all right. So this weekend, the Sega Cruise FMV Marathon has been going on, and I and I ran a game for an hour of that. Which one did you wind up running? Uh, Panic. Which is a very bizarre Data East game. It's kind of hard to describe without just showing it, because it's it's less of a game, more of an experience. The the loose plot like and it's just like wrecking havoc, and so you kind of the character you're playing gets sucked into a which one will take you to another scene, and move you on down towards getting to the end scene. Mm. And yeah, it's just like a lot of visual gags, and it's really entertaining. It's really funny. It's just, it's definitely an experience. I mean, there's not really much game to it, as happens. As with, a, yeah, it's an FMV game. Like it's it's an interactive <laughs> movie almost. What makes them fun? Yeah, and so this one's just click on button, see what happens. And I very clearly mapped out sort of a route through because you can get stuck in loops really easily. So. And I wanted to actually, like, get all the way, at least to the end, by the end of an hour. But, like, to put it this way, at the end of the hour, I got through maybe 35% of the scenes and maybe 20% of the gags. Because it tells where you save, like, what, how huh. far you've kind of explored. And all you have to do is get to the end. Like, if you speed, like, this current speed run is only four minutes. So it's mm. like, you could just skip through to the end scene pretty easily, but that's not the point. Uh, the point is the experience, really. But yeah, I uh, <clears throat> mapped out sort of a, a good path through there that I thought would show off some of the... Uh, well, some of the funnier sight gags, at least from my opinion, as well as just making a path through that would also not run into any of the... There's a couple of scenes that are just instant game over. So I skipped skipped over those, of course. I didn't do too many of the... There's also booby traps, where if you click on... Sometimes if you click on a button, a landmark, a historical landmark is destroyed in some, like, you know, like Eiffel Tower and things like that. <clears throat> but yeah, the but yeah, the gameplay is just kind of click on thing, watch thing happen. And it's definitely less interactive... <laughs> in a certain way than some of the other FMV games. I mean, some of them, like, uh... uh I was gonna say, using the some, Night Trap scale, how interactive is it? Where Night Trap is maybe too interactive. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to kind of click on things as they happen. I mean, if you... Star Rebel Assault is very interactive, where playing on these pre... You know, these 
FMV backgrounds going on. And so that one's, I mean, that's straight up an action game. That's just a game at that point, yeah. Yeah, versus something like Wirehead, which is basically just watching a movie. So specifically, these are all FMV games on just Sega systems. Sure. Because, well, and almost all of them actually are Sega CD that we have here. Uh, I'm not sure if any we actually did any that were really uh, Sega Saturn. <clears throat> so, and that's all on the Sega Crew Twitch. It's just Sega Crew on Twitch. And I mean, by the time I mean it's it's going to be finished today. So I mean, it's not it'll be done before. Well, not quite done, but it'll be finishing up not too long after we finish recording this. I assume but, you can go back and check the archives though, like normal for this type of stuff. Yeah, the vods will be up. Yeah, uh, free for the games and. Some of them I hadn't even heard of. Like, I didn't know existed. Like, Ground Zero Texas is wild. Uh, so is Wirehead. Wirehead's really crazy. Um, some of these have, you know, these these are, some of these are pretty big. You have some, you know, major actors in them. Like, Wirehead, I think, is the one that had, like, maybe Roddy Piper is in that one? I don't remember. Uh, exactly. Some of them kind of tend to meld together, but. I've not in seen case, Ground Zero Texas played in years, so I want to go check that out. Actually, knows they're gonna play that one. That's one of my favorites of the so bad it's good FMVs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, like uh, uh, Slam City with Scotty Pippen. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh it's yes, like a, it's like Scotty like Pippen had a game. Oh, and it's a first-person FMV basketball game. What? It was yeah, Space Jam before Space Jam was Space Jam. Yeah, it's it's an experience. It is wild. Uh, but yeah, I uh, yeah, Kamen Rider, Kamen Rider Zoe is kind of a famous one. That one's pretty graphic, essentially. But yeah, it, but these, I guess, yeah, if you guess it's Sega Crew, it's like all, all these are on Sega CD or Saturn. I think they're all on Sega CD. Sega CD had a lot of fucking FMV games. Holy shit. There was a time I where mean, FMV games were easier to make because you'd have to make a bunch of assets for them. That's no longer the case, but... Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just you film, but you kind of have to have set for that. But yeah, that's... That's that's been... And it was, it was fun taking part in it, and it's also been fun watching it, especially watching the ones that I'm not as familiar with. So, yeah, that's that's super cool. It's also the first time I've ever like kind of been a part of a marathon, so it was, uh, that I had it planned well, and it worked out almost perfectly, like about a, exactly an hour to get through the path that I very carefully mapped out, kind of, yeah, very carefully, carefully mapped out through that game it's to show off a good, a somewhat good portion of it. But like I said, like at, by the end, I was still maybe only a third of the scenes and like maybe a quarter bags. Something like that, but yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's been fun. Uh, outside of that, I've started playing the My Little My Little Pony mobile game because I was just kind of curious about it. It's it's kind of like the I don't know if you've played some of the other sim type games where you build things and then they produce kind of in game coins or whatever. It's like an idle Simpsons. clicker, or is it just kind of like a like a, the Simpsons one as well, where mm. it's just like you, you, like 
can you're you're setting up a city. It's like Sim City essentially. Hmm. It, it's a pretty common style of mobile game. I mean, there's there, there's there's hundreds of these. Uh, but yeah, it's a it, so yeah, you build stuff in sort of town squares, and some of them produce coins. Some of them are just where characters live. Characters themselves have uh, things you can assign them to do or to play games. Yeah, it's it's yeah, like it's pretty typical. I don't think it's any more inherently sort of predatory than other ones I've played that are just like it. That's kind of what the yardstick I use for that. So is it's pretty easy to just do things in the game and get get more of the ponies. Essentially, you get more of these. Uh, some of them don't aren't. Uh, some of them are associated with a house. That is like when you get the character, you have to place their house. Some of them are not, and then there are places that are just like not associated with a character that you can just build, and most of those are shops that produce coins and are sometimes involved in other stuff, like some of the assignments to sign the ponies on. But, yeah, it's yeah, it's fine. I mean, like I said, it's easy enough for me to do it without spending any money. It's it's not demanding that I spend money to, like... Well, I, I, I've seen this less and less with mobile games, sort of, like, activity energy. Like King of Fighters has it, where mm. you only have a certain amount of sort of action points to to do activities with. Where uh, though in King of Fighters All Star, I I have like a thousand. It's they they just throw the activity points at you, so mm. that's never been a problem on that game. It was only a problem on the the short lived Sega game, Sega Heroes. That I had reported on in way back when, and then when it died, <laughs> because no, I liked it because it was overly predatory. But yeah, the My Little Pony mobile game, it's fine. More predatory than other ones I've played. It's it's more casual, I'd say, it, like those builder sims are. That's more casual sure, than King of yeah. Fighters. King of Fighters mm-hmm. All Star. When I play that, like, and I play the kind of re- levels or whatever, that requires a lot of my attention. Like that's. It's, it's it can be pretty difficult, and it has a competitive modes as well, which I don't really tend to play. But um, that is, you can play with other people that play the game competitive modes. But yeah, whereas a uh, My Little Pony is just more of a yeah casual, just do things. There are some mini games, but they're very casual style mini games. But yeah, uh, I haven't really played. I mean, I've been playing a little bit on other games that I've mentioned before here on the podcast. Outside of that, I've been watching the more Kings and Generals, which is a channel on YouTube. And it is, well, kind of uh, just history history channel stuff. It's, it's a, really interesting. It's mainly focused around sort of like, well, the, kind of the title, Kings and Generals. So a lot of battles. Mm. And just sort of eras and how things came to be in certain eras of history in certain locations. I this week I watched the all their stuff that they had about the Romance of the Three Kingdoms era in China, which is absolutely fascinating. All the sort of infighting and just the you know al, you know 
allies and then betrayals and yeah it's it's a fascinating uh, time of history in a in a large area because this is going on over a large area in asia like the romans of the three kingdoms era so yeah it's really cool i mean i've you know it's anybody who's been listening to the podcast knows that i i love reading about history that's one of the reasons i like uh the assassin's creed franchise so much it's which is explicitly historical fiction but also gives you lots of stuff that's just here's history as well as their discovery tours which i really love which is all which are straight up here's more history here's the game with just the history part and none of the game part <laughs> though you can still climb up stuff in discovery tour but in any case yeah kings and generals it's a great youtube series uh i i'd say if you have a chance to watch it, watch it. It's it's fun. It's presented at least in an entertaining way, like visually entertaining. I'd say as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. I haven't. Uh, after oh yeah, I did a binge watch, uh, Wandavision. So now nothing can be spoiled for me for it. Hmm. So, uh, I thought it was really good like just it's a really good series i really enjoyed watching it yeah but yeah uh but yeah that's yeah that's kind of what i've been up to didn't really play too many video games really like i said Uh, mainly i was trying to prepare for the fmv marathon but anyways that's it for me that means news time who's Relatively light news week compared to our previous ones, but don't worry, yeah. we have emails later. Oh, nice. we have emails. Are we talking <laughs> light, light in uh, topic, or are we talking light in like news? Because like both, actually, kind of. Oh, yeah, okay. nothing, nothing real heavy. Just news. Yeah, just kind of boring news of a sort, I guess. Yeah. Let's start off one of, I guess, our heavier topics this week, and this would maybe give you the tone of how heavy we're going this week in some ways. V1 Interactive, the studio behind that game called The Stration that, you know, came and then fucking vanished, or one might say disintegrated out of our public knowledges. Womp womp. It shut down about a year after that game launched. I remember correctly, the servers for that game shut down like six months after that game launched. It was a cool-looking game-sounding world that no one reviewed well, and... Yeah. Yeah. Unsurprising. The big sell it had going for it was admit this is kind of a lesson we should take forward with the success kind of a general gaming culture that we occasionally have to be reminded of. Those games pitched as from people that used to work at Bungie, and it sure looked like it came from people that used to work at Bungie. Doesn't always mean what you think it means. Like Bungie's a big company with lots of good people and like the janitor from Bungie can in theory say I worked at Bungie and we know he's not meaning like as a game developer, but that's technically correct. Still, and it's not technically correct. He worked at Bungie. If that's a big yeah, flex I, in janitorial world. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird in the in the video game industry. There's sort of this thing about you know if somebody was like a major part of a game, like seen as sort of a leader of a game, it's they they get this sort of fame around them. It's like oh, well, this person worked on this famous game. 
they should definitely be able to start their own studio and make good games. You know, like, you know, it goes away all the way back to, you know, John Romero starting his own studio and putting out that, that game. It, yeah, it's, it's, there's a weird sort of, I don't know, cult of personality around the, and I don't know what, really what to think about it around major kind of people who are considerers and major kind of game producers or leaders and it's just like, uh, some of them, I think, have earned it and have a large record behind them, a successful record, but it's like, they didn't do that alone. They There's like teams and teams and teams of people involved with a lot of this stuff. So, I don't know. Uh, just as an aside on that, I mean, it's just kind of like, we often assume that just because somebody was successful somewhere doesn't mean that they can create a brand new team around to build something. That's, and I only that's brought this not one a guarantee. Our, no, yeah, I don't this one on our piles. We've had a lot of news lately where it's like so-and-so from X Studio or with such background has started X. And yeah, we, we love to joke about how this much studio is popping up. They're like, from the people that brought you Blizzard. Not Blizzard, but yeah. It, the game industry's <laughs> changed a lot since Blizzard came online. Like, guess maybe some of those people are still kind of at the top of their fields, but also just because someone worked at a place or on a thing that you love doesn't mean their work moving forward will be good. Like, the designs for this game were badass. The -hmm. game part of this game was ass-ass, is the way of thinking of it. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Moving on from that. Uh, We've got some sad news to you Borderlands fans out there, all nine of you that still listen to us. Uh, Borderlands 3 Director's Cut has been delayed till April 8th. For, you know, that whole Ice Age thing Texas went through recently. Like, it's a, as far as video game company excuses go, it's a pretty good one, valid-wise. Like, oh, yeah, you guys, like, survived an Ice Age, a snap freeze. Yeah, push it back. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. Like, Stay alive. Yeah. Literally but, destroyed power infrastructure, yeah. so, yeah. But, my question is, why is their freezing going to affect me? Okay? I need my Borderlands 3 director's cut. <laughs> I don't care. Okay? These fucking delays are destroying the video game industry, okay? Well, Alex, uh, you you might now qualify to work for Star Citizen because the uh, kind of parent company of Star Citizen took a similar approach to that because... Reports have come out that the uh, Texas-based studios that are part of that whole kind of Star Citizen umbrella got in some trouble for either not working or resisting working or were expected to work during that whole crazy time period. Even though, like, I, I don't know much about game development at the end of the day, Henry. Like, how much game development can actually be done without a computer that works? Uh, Typing on paper, yeah, I guess. Say, like, is the answer fuck all? Because it sounds like the answer. Yeah, I mean, here we have, and and the reports, basically the reports are saying that they're expected to make up for lost time, which, what the actual fuck, and how how would you even do that? The simple idea of Star Citizen being like, we're behind because of you, that's a sentence that no one should be allowed to say, like, time is meaningless to that company, obviously. I need my game, guys. 
But yeah, it's come out about this is, you know, time off or would require use of paid time off, their paid time off days, instead of just saying, you've literally haven't been able to work. We're just going to say, you, we keep you guys, you know, we keep your, we keep our employees on. No, no, no. They're like, nope. For all the any work that you must do to literal power, like power infrastructure being destroyed, that you're supposed to find a way to work on the game during that time. And if you don't, you have to use your very valuable paid time off days, and that's fucked up. I just they like, also go ahead. I just like to imagine that like Star Citizen has like one of those crank generators in their studios. That they expected someone to man through all of this so people could keep game dev going, where it's like, just fire up the crank engine, guys. Like, hey, you keep developing. That's not how any works. Yeah, it, this is this situation's all types of fucked. I, it's un- also it's, not, it's unsurprising because Star Citizen at this point, but yeah, the the rolling fucking disaster that is Star yeah. Citizen. But yeah, yeah, other things like. They just didn't stay in contact with anybody during this, you know, this kind of, you know, power outage and everything and just absolute tragedy happening because, yeah, flash freeze and everything. But, yeah, it's, yeah, no communication from, you know, the head from the top. And then when they got in communication, they're like, well, you're you're just going to make up all that work or, you know, use your valuable paid time off. and. Yep. Wow. You you think a a a gigantic fucking you know well funded and I'll repeat that ridiculously well funded game should be able to you know like say that you know what since you've been surfing through a natural disaster that completely destroyed like any ability to do fucking anything for a long period of time. We'll just you know count that as yeah that's a disaster and we're not going to hold anybody to to fault for that. But it really sounds like that that's exactly what they're going to do. Well, so and if you're sitting there going that sounds illegal, like so, a this is a bit of a Texas thing at the end of the day. B this is a Star Citizen thing, but yeah, I I have learned a lot about this lately, kind of from a real estate angle. For other, I live in California, where California has a very nice law where if you show up to work and can't work because hours out, the building's on fire, etc., etc. So long as you demonstrate you can show up and weren't, like, notified not to, you still get paid, and there's no, and it's like, it's like yeah, maybe you need to work up, that may, maybe extra time has to be put in to kind of make up the difference, hypothetically. Maybe not, because that costs more money, and you are getting paid for it kind of thing. But this is definitely kind of some Texas bullshit lumped on top of the Star Citizen bullshit in this scenario. Yep. Star Citizen. It's a fucking dumpster fire. So, moving on to an actual dumpster fire. We don't get to talk (laughs) about, like, fires, real-world fires being a thing in the video game industry all that often. So, the fact that of all the games to have actual, honest-to-God, not-digital, real fire happen in some part of their space that negatively impacted the game... And the fact that that game of all games is Rust is something worth celebrating, I think. I'm, I'm sorry for all the Rust fans impacted by this, but also at the same time, your game was literally impacted by a real fire 
that's kind of cool. In a bad way, but still kind of cool. That's a long, drawn-out way of saying that. So there was a fire in a service uh, server center, essentially, that was housing a bunch of Rust uh, operational servers, and dozens of Rust servers, so player servers, whatever you want to call them, the kind of the world's players inhabit, have been lost courtesy of this fire. It's not clear what caused time I checked. They're not suspecting arson yet. But imagine how cool it would be if it was revealed that one really passionate uh, Russ fan tracked down a rival server and burned that shit to the ground. Arson's wrong and you shouldn't do that. But if you're going to commit a crime, that's a pretty cool crime. You know, on the upside, as far as we know, nobody was injured in yes. the fire. Oh, yeah, no. So a lot of these data centers, I mean, if computers, it's just loads and loads and loads of fucking servers. And there's, yeah, of course, people working on them, but it's not a, it doesn't require gigantic staff to upkeep the person on every single server. It's usually like, uh, Eight you have people a couple wandering of wandering around on Razor scooters making sure the lights aren't red. Yeah. So yeah, you have you have you know a a certain amount of staff, IT staff that are making sure yeah that everything's running smoothly. But apparently yeah, they all managed to get out and nobody was injured in the fire. So that's 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 the good news, I guess, portion of that. But, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but it is gone. I mean, the data is like, you know, their backups were you probably in that same same space instead of being in like another like on an, in another location, which. Uh, I'm guessing that they all their backups were also in the same uh, physical location, even though they might have been on separate servers. But in any case, uh, but yeah, they the, that must be the case because they're saying that the data can't be restored. So it's it's a it's permanently gone. All that data, like which is for mostly their anybody who is on the European EU servers, but. In any case, yeah, that's... Hmm. This is your friendly reminder that just because something's on the cloud does not mean it's safe. Yeah, there's an IT saying that if it doesn't exist in three places, it yeah. This is 100% accurate. And As someone who works in the IT industry, and during the, our winter storm, having servers go down kind of thing, like... It is a reality that, like, if you don't have that shit backed up several locations, it's gone forever. <laughs> yeah, I generally, I generally have three copies in three separate places of anything that I have that's re- remotely valuable that I know how to be using. It's like, for work or personal projects or whatever, it's like, it's in three places that are, one is on my computer, but, you know, what, and the other two are on the cloud, usually. Is the way I usually do it, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the thing. But apparently, that they they didn't like whatever backups they had. The backups were all in the same site, not on different sites. Yeah, but you know, it's well, not a bad huge timing hypothetically too. Like it could have just been it wasn't synced up yet or something. That's that's me giving too much credit to the situation. No, apparently there's just no back. Like huh. there's no backups. It's all gone. Like they can't. They can't restore any of. It. That's what they're saying. Is like none of it can be restored. So, yeah, uh, everybody's lost anything they had on those games, which, uh, yeah, 
it's free it's free server space so i mean it's not like it's being paid for and then apparently that may be the reason why there wasn't like a separate site backup is i'm sure they had on site but they don't they just running up space at a data center yeah so yeah i mean that's that's the thing so all that's gone Yeah, I am. I I am really glad that nobody was injured. That is yeah. something I like. That's the first thing I checked. Oh, no, I it's, like, it's why I'm comfortable making jokes about this. Yeah, yeah. Moving on from fire starting to uh, uh to DDoS attacks, though. Sun's been gone on little big planet specifically, which means they're technically going after Sony, which has someone who uh, was around for that PS3 mass hack that happened that took down PSN for I want to say like three or four months. Back in the summer of 2011, 2012? Yeah, it was 2011. This always makes me nervous. And we're not saying DDoS attacks are unique to Sony or don't happen all the goddamn time. Xbox had a real problem last year around Christmas, if I remember correctly. But yeah, uh, so the servers for LittleBigPlanet are currently offline, or were on the offline for a chunk of time on the 12th of March for DDoS reasons. Not clear why, it's not clear how, or it is DDoS, but yeah, no, nothing more than that. But if you're experiencing some PSN network issues, it might have been that. Hmm. Some there is some, and this is more rumored talk that it's that it was done by a by a player of of like a disgruntled player, but that's that's just hearsay. That's that's not. And determined. If you're in game, I'd be all over that. The idea of this gruntled little big planet fan out there, I, I, I don't know what that person is. Like how angry at life you have to be that you're like, I must take out my anger on Little Big Planet, one of the cutest games out there that's hurt no one ever. Re. Yeah, like what? What the hell? I mean, it's Little Big Planet. I mean, it's like. Sp- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, wow! Your target, yeah, very bizarre flex. Yeah. <laughs> Where to go from here? Uh, you want to talk about Roblox real quick and that ridiculousness? Sure. All right, so we've talked on and off about Roblox and what it is and how it's not Minecraft, but Minecraft, and we've talked about kind of its maybe its problematic history. Well, we have yet another kind of weird problematic thing to stack on top of that. So it went through its IPO. We talked about this, I think, a couple of months ago at this point. I know we talked in vagueness about why this was kind of a, you know, not a big deal, but a deal hypothetically. And, well, the IPO has gone through, and I believe it's worked out to about $70 a share, which in shares is kind of a lot, but I also be misreading this report. company being valued by Wall Street at $45 billion, or to put it in gamer ratios, roughly six Bethesdas. Wow. Maybe Roblox is doing more than I think it is, but I... Don't it's, think it's that. It's it's that's the thing. It's like uh, well, you know, Wall Street is a lot of speculation, and but the thing is, is like we know that even though none of us really play Roblox, that thing is hip with the kids. 
Kids really a love lot Roblox. Of kids. A lot of kids play it. Like, in part, it's I've, easy to make your own little games, mini games in Roblox that you can't really do in Minecraft. So that's that's a big thing. Like Roblox is kind of like Dreams in that it's very easy to make little mini games. Extremely easy to make kind of little mini games in Roblox, and that's I think that's been the draw to it. You know, I'll, you know, add that to the social factor. That's Roblox, and it's unsurprising. Oh, it's absolutely a game that's benefited from kind of our create not just a social space, but an interactive social space that I believe it's on everything now. It's like it's it's the same platform, say the PC version, and I think there's a browser version of it, and that seems to be kind of part of the big tipping point for a bunch of these things. We could, but I'm not sure Bethesda's even worth as much as Bethesda claims to be worth, so who the fuck knows? Yeah. But, yeah, like I said, it's, for me, it's super unsurprising just knowing what I know about Roblox and the sheer number of people that play it. Yeah. Again, we're not financial advisors, so we're not speculating on whether or not that was a client or not, but that's a lot of money for an IPO for a video game that has kind of a weird ongoing set of controversies involving people being terrible on a kid's platform. It's the new fucking Penguin, isn't it? Yeah. Basically. uh, Yeah, the majority of people on it are younger. Yeah. Um. (laughs) I've I've never actually played it. I've watched somebody play it myself. This may be my okay boomer moment of this podcast, but looking at it hurts my <laughs> eyes. It looks like knockoff Legos and not in an endearing way. It's like, oh, it's shitty Playmobil or something. Great. I'd rather play Minecraft. I think Minecraft looks bad, too. This hurts my eyes less. It's like, oh, it's got a style, at least. This is like, we made plastic people you get from a crank machine at a pizza place. Like, next to the off-brand candy, the M&Ms that are nine years expired, and the breast <laughs> tattoos. You know what uh-huh. I'm talking about. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to randomly get a bunch of stickers that will, you can slap on you say "angel" or "devil" in the worst way possible. That's the machine for you, right next to the <laughs> Roblox characters. Oh, <laughs> sticker machines. Uh, well, the guy I learned glass blowing from was an avid collector of the little homies you could get out of those machines, so I should be careful how much I make fun of this. Hmm. So many little homies around that glass studio. Get a signed copy of all the art of, like, a, I guess the guy you said at one point made, like, a whole splash image of all the little homies he designed. He had a signed copy of that. It was one of his most prized possessions. Hmm. But, yeah. We were talking more about Bethesda. Uh, so, that big Microsoft purchase of Zenimax for more than six Bethesda has been given permission to go through. And yeah, we can now look forward to that whole library of things being integrated and made part of the Xbox ecosystem in a more major way. A bunch of, a couple games are getting kind of the FP for the Xbox console, which is a great thing for people on there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure the games that are getting it will necessarily benefit that much from it, personally, but that's just kind of me playing cynical on this one. Like, I, I, I'm i not sure Skyrim benefits from a fr- uh, frames per second boost. I'm really not sure that 
Fallout 76 does either, but hey, a better run. Yeah. And kind of this is a, as one might expect from this whole conversation, now the rumors of exactly how much of Bethesda's now becoming an Xbox exclusive, they've come back. And it sounds like, so for the time being, it might make financial sense to put like Skyrim or something on all platforms. If you really care about Skyrim, or the next Skyrim, whatever the fuck they do next for Elder Scrolls, Maybe it's time to invest in a better PC or an Xbox at this point. I, on one hand, this is an incredibly strong argument for why you should get an Xbox or PS5, except that for the price of an I, a really good PC, and still buy it. For me, the big problem that we keep running into is they're very, very vocal about the fact that all the exclusive stuff coming to Xbox is also coming to PC, and at that point, just fucking buy a PC. Like, I, that's not an argument to have at that point. Like, there's no reason to buy an Xbox when you can buy a very good PC or a good enough PC to run anything from that console generation, hypothetically. You don't need any of our super machines. You kind of just need something that works, and those exist. And you can buy them from places like Dell. For about the same amount of hassles, buying an Xbox Series, or the X-Bone, not X-Bone, the new one. Series X, whatever the fuck it's called. They never yeah, the Series about. S and the Series X, yeah. yeah. I missed anything as part of that. I know it kind of like rolled all our Microsoft news up into one ramble. Well, that's um, it, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, we're going to see more exclusives. I mean, they've they've flat out announced that there will now be exclusives. So, I mean, that's not just sort of rumored. It's they've come out and just said it in very plain words. Yes, we're going to be working on some exclusives now. So, but yeah, so yeah. Moving on from that, though, let's talk about Squeenix for a second. For more of the fact that we'll be talking about Squeenix in more detail probably next week. So this week they announced that on the 14th, they will be having a kind of digital presentation of some kind. It's it's 18th. Squeenix. Sorry, 18th. Did I say 14th? Yeah. That's today. Some news on the next Life is Strange game, which, cool. And about everything else you'd expect from at this point. We already know that new Final Fantasy VII thing's coming, so probably more details on that. Uh, they are publishing Outriders, so maybe we'll get more of that. Uh, yeah. World, which is one of the games I'm looking forward to. There'll be prob- probably some news about that, too, I'm guessing. It's a half-hour, 40-minute kind of showcase thing they're doing. You can watch it. Uh, We're kind of going the Nintendo Direct approach with this, so if you like those, congratulations. If you miss E3 presentations, this will not scratch that itch, probably. What's next? Yeah, let's, let's close out with some other stuff. So let's talk about Sumo Group for a second. The Sumo Group is a group that I think we've talked about in the past, definitely. They may have had like a Tencent dabbling or something happen to them. Uh, but they bought they, out. They bought a ton of companies. Oh, right. That's where we talked about them. Yes, either Tencent. They bought someone these days. Yeah. So they have unveiled. Kind of. They have an internal publishing division called Secret Mode, 
That'll be their in-house publishing system for indie titles. Sumo Group's kind of interesting where it's, it's the wrong word, but I don't know what kind of it's... Italy is a group of other devs kind of working under an umbrella to be a larger thing. It's not quite the kind of collective that Lab Zero was, but... Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, mainly their history so far has been collaborating with other studios yeah. to make titles, like and sometimes larger studios such as like Microsoft or yeah. so, you know, larger companies. But Maybe yeah. kind of a mercenary operation is a better way of thinking of them. Yes, very much that. So they don't really have they have they don't really have many of their own titles. Like that is like, you know, their own franchises. I think they have like maybe one or two. But most of the stuff they've done work on is other they've done, yeah, is sort of, yeah, mercenary one. of things, Tiny Build has also gone public. Maybe we should have talked about this as part of that whole Roblox thing. And they came in also at a staggering $474 million for valuation. Not too shabby. Let's talk about EA though quickly. Things both involving FIFA, which, of course, they are. Of course, yes. Hang on, no, I put my I put my news together wrong. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. We should have talked about this as part of Squeenix, actually. So we're going to rewind for a sec as I correct myself. So, uh, a bunch of people got banned from Final Fantasy XIV for uh, spending real money to do things in that game. Real money trading, trading, yeah. That's been kind of a thing recently with the MMOs. I mean, I, I, a while ago, I think we had mentioned the uh, the big shutdown of like a bunch of WoW like boosting communities that were using real money yeah. mm. transaction services. And, and that's the tale all this time. Like I remember back in the e olden days of Chinese. Yep, I remember that too. I had a teacher whose brother actually like made a living selling high end like drops in WoW at one point. Like, and he's... Well, yeah, no, that's, that's the thing that's happening. We're getting it. Uh, it's, the bands are real. I mean, there's, there's... I mean, I don't know if you saw... Well, this is it's kind of brief since we're talking about the real-life money trading thing. Um, there were 16 Chinese guilds uh, from WoW that were recently removed from the Hall of Fame because they were all involved in real-life money transactions. Uh, to get that Hall of Fame for um, Castle Nathia recently, so they got they got flat out removed and banned for it. So that's mm. yeah, yeah. The, all these companies are cracking down really hard on it. I mean, you get between them and their money. What do you expect? <laughs> they want their cut. Yep. Blizzard ain't happy if they don't get their cut. They ain't happy if they don't get their cut. This is this is uh, Squeenix. This is Final Fantasy. I messed up earlier. Oh yeah, well I mean yeah. Sorry, uh Final Fantasy, yeah, Square Enix, yeah. You gotta you gotta pay your dues. It's the age old saying, I either want less corruption or more of it directly benefiting. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, to your actual EA news. So an EA investigation is going on, this is why I got confused that's kind of equal stories of corruption going on. An EA investigation claims that employees are selling FIFA twenty one items. Not the company. Like you obviously can buy stuff, but they're basically kind of offloading things uh, via employee power. People that play the game, assumably. I don't know. It's FIFA. 
the fuck is there even to buy in FIFA that's not just like, I don't know, soccer stadiums? All right, so... It's this, the facts, this, I know, I'm being obtuse intentionally. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just a... It's a mode that allows you to create your own, yeah. and so... But you can only create player cards are being sold, according to this allegation, by EA employees. So that's... It, they're kind of building what we just said. Like, it's not clear if this is actually a real claim, but EA is taking it very seriously, apparently. Yeah. Unsurprising that one. We're going to close out our news, though, with the wackiest news we've had in a little bit while, but also kind of a uh, thank God they did this because it might have been dangerous kind of thing. The, the, the wackiest, the involvement, the outcome is the for the greater good type of topic. So, Genshin Impact had a KFC crossover event coming up. I think it was just China-based? Yeah, I think it was only in China. Which got shut down over COVID safety concerns. Probably not a great idea to having large groups of people converging on a restaurant for game reasons. But how fucking wild is it that there was a KFC event planned for Genshin Impact? That's... That's a. That's not a twenty one or twenty twenty one ass fucking headline right there. That's definitely a crossover, I guess. That's weird. Well, correct me. Isn't KFC really popular in China? Yes. Yeah, and and we, I think, you know, KFC in other countries is a, you know, a. A, a very it's a foreign experience it's a different style of you know it's 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 unique it doesn't it's, carry the depression baggage it does here in the u.s yeah <laughs> yeah it's yeah it's it's a yeah it's unique in other countries whereas here it's just like oh it's kfc but yeah in in like japan especially where kfc is like strongly associated with christmas in japan also, Christmas in Japan being a thing is also kind of, like, expected, but also, buddy, knowing that there's almost, like, 0%, like, Christ- Christians It's purely in Japan. commercial, and no one's... Pre- oh, yeah, purely commercial. But, yeah, yeah, I and I'm... I don't really know as much about KFC in China, but I imagine it's a similar thing where it's, like, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's a, you know, a crazy, you know... This, uh, you know, this other, co- you know, it's unique. It's well, unique over there. And to give you a here, context, it's very of, normal. Give you maybe a context of what that thing is like. So, currently, like, this whole event involved people going in and yelling, meet me in another world, enjoy delicious food at employees to get pins with their meals. So, yeah, that sounds like a great promotion to live through. Even yeah. a pandat. All for a <laughs> pin. Though I will say this, uh, I've done similar just to get neat pins and stuff. I mean, I have a I have a pretty big collection of pretty cool pins, like collectors' pins and like buttons and stuff. So I I get that, I get that, <laughs> I get why. I the American equivalent of this was going into a restaurant yelling at, uh, into a McDonald's and yelling about Szechuan sauce, just for the record. Hmm. Except in this case, uh, uh, this probably wasn't quite as vicious or mean. 
Probably not. People no. were with yeah. the shiz. Well, that's shiz what I'm one. saying. Like this is like this is like fun and innocent and poorly misguided. The American version, because America is fucked up and wrong and oppressive and terrible. Yeah. I I shudder to think what what's going to be offered, but it's probably just going to be cosmetics. I'm guessing. Please let it be those nightmare KFC donuts. <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh, I still get sick when I think about those things. Like thought they poisoned <laughs> me the rest of that day. <sighs> but yeah, no, that does it for news, I guess. All right, so that means it's time. Or emails. Email? Indeed. If you want to contact us, we can be contacted at wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. The third time, Henry? Wickedawesomecast at gmail.com. Spells it sounds down the show notes, etc. etc. So... We have two fan emails and one Jeff email this week, and I feel like we should close out with the Jeff email. So we're going to start off with one I think a little more aimed at me, but <laughs> yeah. You're wicked awesome, cast. I have a variety of heretical comments on your podcast over the years, but I was not prepared for Chud just casually say that none of the Warhammer Ruinous Powers were actually evil, and then Nerarin completely out of character move, just move on from his uh, from one of his bullshit outbursts. I mean, I, I need, nay, I demand, all caps on demand, an explanation of this heretical outburst. I need you to explain it so Alex gets it, so gets mad at you as part of this process. Former game, Games Workshop employee. Alright, oh. all right, so, to get into kind of Warhammer lore, both fantasy and non-fan 40k, the heretical powers of the four chaos gods that... And the whole argument is based, my whole argument is based off the idea that they are the reflection of all cognitive things. And by cognitive things, I mean like everything alive has a presence in both fantasy and 40k for the record. Like this applies to both. There's a thing called the warp. And the warp is both hell and the afterlife and just kind of other space. Like, I. I rewatched it this week because I fell down a weird rabbit hole, but I... Fuck, what's that movie called? I... There's a movie that basically is the discover that human... It's the story of the human's discovery event horizon. That's the movie I'm thinking of. Like, it's the idea that other dimensions exist, and if they are hell or not is subjective, but they might just be pure chaos. And that's what the warp is. It's basically an ongoing nuclear explosion of weirdness constantly that is impacted by the real universe, the materium, as it's referred to. So the Chaos Gods mm. are four things that formed because life exists, and it's a manifestation of kind of strong emotions from the real world, I guess. And the four, go- the four Chaos Gods are Korn, the War God, Zeech, Zeech, Kind of the god of change, Nurgle, the death slash disease god, and Slanesh, god, goddess, whatever their kink is at that given point in time, the god of excess. And in the context of both settings, they're portrayed as kind of these bad things. And as they stand in lore, they are. 
but also, as they stand in lore, they are a direct reflection of how fucking terrible, because the people that created them and influenced them are so much worse. They are just kind of instinctual things that, over time, got enough power to basically become gods, but it's not fair to call something evil if it's just doing what it was meant to do at that point. Like, it- I mean, that's where you get into the argument of something being amoral instead of immoral. Yeah. And the the way I think that probably kind of got the most joke that sparked Kyle on this one is Slanesh. Like, the other three kind of them, Korn the War God is kind of both, like, he's the War God. He's the war. In 40k, he's very into, like, people in my name, take skulls, etc., etc. It's like, no, fucking die a cool-ass death. Like, if you're gonna fight, fight like you mean it kind of thing. Hates cowards, hates psychers, all that stuff. Like if he's toxic, Galindi the god, but also like he's toxic. Actually, he's aware he's toxic. No, I don't have a place in everything. But if you're gonna be fucking, if you're gonna go fight people, go fight people. Actually, don't be a like coward about it. Don't kind of like be like, oh no, I was hit. Other people save me. Like fucking deal with your shit. Nurgle is inevitable kind of thing. It's like death happens to everyone. I hate to be the bearer of this bad news and. This whole kind of extra evil thing is disease, but also it's like, no, people get sick and die all the time. It's not, it's just kind of part of life. He's a force of fucking nature that just happens to exist. And yes, the fact he like brews plagues is a little bit fucked up, but also he brews plagues because he brews plagues. It's what he does. Like he is that thing. Like he's basically evolution in some ways, the same way the that. The nature of the thing. Yeah, you it's. Could say. Yeah, diseases change over time. It's how diseases work. Like, we're living through a disease that rapidly mutated. Like, it's there was a bunch of jokes in the Warhammer community about, like, uh, Grandfather Nurgle is pleased at all this. And, yes, it, Grandfather Nurgle also loves all life because they come to him in death, and he gets to play with you with his terrible diseases. Like, again, grim dark setting. This is a setting where everyone is terrible. Like, the good guys of 40k are maybe the Tyranids, because the Tyranids, again, are just being Tyranids. They have no morality. They're just eating shit. And <sighs> that happens to be wiping out mass populations of plants and turning them to death worlds, but, like, they're not pretending to be the good guys or the bad guys. They're just acting on what they do. As opposed to everyone else that's like, oh, we're the good guys or the bad guys, or we're actually heroic, or we're gonna save these people, or for the greater good, or we're Necrons, and we're badass. I, Yeah, I... I think I've explained this one enough. I, we can move on. Like We don't need to belabor <laughs> the ruinous powers. I, it's, I, I, I will point out, and this is just kind of me pointing this one out, uh, the Chaos Gods are always talked about through the lens of the various playable armies within the 40k and Hammerverse. So... I what's the right phrase of putting it? Anything the the uh, the empire uh, the Imperium says is bullshit and should be taken at like with a with a billion grains of salt and that's not heretical and that's where this whole joke comes from. Like yes, I understand the Inquisition is on the is on their route to my house right now for saying this. Like they're gonna come put an end to this heresy. This podcast will be interrupted by. Whatever the fuck they're up to these days, I get it. And also, my friends in chaos are like, yeah, no, he's speaking the truth. But they're also wrong because they're all murder psychos. Like, again, grimdark. Everything is terrible. There's no good guys. Even the Tau fucking suck. 
The only good guys are Necrons, because they were there first. <laughs> the entire universe belongs to them. They turn gods into batteries. That's what makes you cool. Necrons for the win. And orcs are fine, because they worship totally different things. That also, like, they just don't give a fuck either. They have no concept of evil, because they're just doing their thing. What I'm saying is, the Necrons, the Tyranids, and the Orcs are the only good guys in the entire Warhammer 40k-averse. I don't fucking know about fantasy. I'll say Tomb Kings and Skaven are the only good people, but Skaven are undeniably evil. So, <laughs> fuck it! Yeah, that's, that's, your, that's your Warhammer 40k whatever minute out of me for this. Alex, did I, did I wish the goal of Kyle's email? Are you mad at me as part of this process? <laughs> I don't know anything about a Warhammer other than that game that you maybe play that fucking sucks. Perfect. So, no. <laughs> you are right, Kyle. Blood for the Blood God, Skulls for the Skulls Throne. Thank you for writing in. And I'm not sure if I'm sorry or congratulations on being a former game workshop employee. Does it exist in the U.S. anymore? I don't know. In the U.K. Where that game is from. This is a more neutral email. It comes in from Anonymous. Hey, Wicked Awesome cast. Uh, last week, there were some implications about Eastern Europe region of video game development being a little different. I know it's a, I know it's roughly where CD Projekt Red is located, but that's the end of what I know about that region and game re- and, and about that and the video game region. Can you elaborate some? I think they're talking about how you and I alluded to the fact that there's like a whole bunch of like, B-plus, like, they're not triple-A, there's a B-plus devs there that just crank out games, Henry. Yep. Yeah, I, I think it's less so now, but, like, back in the PS2, PS3 era, there was this whole kind of middle tier of games that were made for incredibly specific audiences that, like, maybe sold 40,000 games, but the studios made one, like, every nine months, it felt like. So it was yeah, a, yeah. I mean, in in Eastern Europe, you have all of these like economies that have been rapidly growing, like really rapidly growing economies. And so, with that, you're going to have a lot of startups, a lot of sort of mid-sized companies, like at this, you know, that because yeah, rapidly growing countries. Like I'm talking about economic growth at a very rapid rate. And so, yeah, you're going to get a lot of mid-sized companies putting out mid-sized games. You know, because a lot of these countries aren't that large either, so they aren't necessarily going to have, like, you know, like, 20 AAA studios in, like, one nation when it's not that big of a nation to begin with, that is, population-wise. It was a bunch of, like, 20-man studios cranking out stuff that were the epitome of, it's fine, it's just not for me with a lot of frequency. Like, home games came out of there. I Yeah, a lot like of Frogwares. Sp- yeah, Frogwares. Yeah. A lot of, like, Space Sims were coming out. Uh, yeah, like, the... Go look it up. Like I, I can't. I'm not a full historian, so I can't do the full breakdown of it. But like the, like early to mid aughts, I guess, like running into like 2010, some a little bit past that, maybe through like 2014, is this fascinating time period in that whole like schism of things. Like, and there's a bunch, and like it's full of stories of like decent or kind of scrabs just getting fucked over by publishers out of that region too. Like that were kind yeah. of using. Which sucks. Yeah, that like it, it was this kind of weird like po- like you had the cult the post Cold War era spill over into video game company stuff in a very bizarre and fascinating way. You had like a, 
it's been a while since it happened, but this whole like frogware debate about who actually owns the Sinking City is definitely a thing I've heard before from that era. I'm just not sure who it was. It may have been fucking frogware sued someone else at one point for doing the exact same goddamn thing to them at one point. Like it's yeah, screwing them over yeah. essentially. A publisher screwing over a studio. Where yeah, like and like I said, a lot of these studios, as we said, a lot of these studios are like 20, 30 years been having like great economic growth, like just big economic growth. So that there's a lot of these yeah mid-sized developers, but it also means that they can be taken advantage of by larger pu- like publishing firms. Unfortunately, and that's what we saw with. We're just kind of skeevy publishing firms at some frequency. Yeah, some of them, yeah, are kind of like, yeah, kind of not not so reputable. Yeah, <laughs> as we found with the you know, with what's going on with Sinking City, Sinking City, it's like it's the publisher being really sketch. And if you're looking for again, this is not a blanket statement because a bunch of these games are actually really good and were kind of fun with stuff. Kind of oh yeah, kind of surprise. If you're looking for an example of a bunch of these games, like. Picture the bargain bin at Walmart that had like it was a fun game, but you were happy you spent like thirty bucks on it. That's a lot of these studios we're talking about. Yeah, so it's like it's it's like we said it's it's mid rail. You know, a lot of them very fun games. Like I have a lot of the I have several of these Sherlock Holmes games. They're yeah. great, fun, but yeah, it's it's and it's quality work really considering the size of the studios putting these out. But they but they are games, but been putting out a lot of them because they're a little bit smaller games as well. It's so where all the trucking video games come from, oddly enough. Hmm. Which I like. I've played yeah. some of those too. So. Not all of them, just a bunch of them. Yeah, a bunch of the kind of weirder, kind of broken but fun Steam games at one point were coming from that whole region as well, and Steam was a big boon to them because they could just self-publish at that point. Yep. Yeah, it's it's huge in PC too. Like I. I guess to kind of like go off a slight tangent, like it's kind of like CD Projekt Red's the kind of ultimate example from this uh, from this kind of whole kind of section of game dev because and correct me if I'm wrong, I think this is the right story for this. If I'm correct, CD Projekt Red started off as like a mod shop technically, like then they just kind of like maybe we could try and make our own game. Actually, they they initially were kind of in the like hacking games for. Maybe not a legal distribution, but like region-free distribution world and stuff like that. Like they, a lot of their kind of history is kind of interestingly tied up in like the Russian game market in a kind of fun rebel kind of way, not like an illegal Russian nightmare kind of way. I could be wrong about that. I remember someone telling me that at one point, reading about it. But yeah, they they did a lot of localization in the early years. Yeah. Uh, CG Project Red, that is. Yeah, that too. Well, thank you for writing in. Hopefully, that kind of gives you a crash course in the. It really is fascinating the world of like Eastern Europe or Western Europe. Sorry, game dev worlds. Like, there's a bunch of that, that comes out of Ukraine, which you never think of that being as a game dev place, but it is. Turns out. Yeah, yeah. lots of hmm. nice, like great little companies there. Yeah. Ready for our Jeff email? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Uh, dear Wicked Longcast, or hello, fuckers. I know I'm a week late, but work was crazy. 
it was mm. a it was abundantly brought to my attention. I have spent too much of my life giving SoCal residents the benefit of the doubt and assumed that if uh, dropped into a lower climate, you would not thrive but not die either. You have proven that na- this naive version, sorry, this naive vision of my completely wrong. Someone please educate Alex on frozen pipes before we he is the victim of one. <laughs> also, Alex, get your tires fixed and find a northern climate resident who is willing to take you to go uh, go in the snow. You need to learn how to pull out of a sk- uh, out of slides if your car goes into one and so it doesn't wrap itself around a tree. I want to start a petition to change the official title of Wicked Awesome Cast number two thirty eight. A list full of v- uh, fistful of V bucks to LF two M F W or learn to motherfucking winter L two M F W. Sorry, yes, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, I yes. will say I did put the uh, like. I, I think there's some like there, there's the covers you put on the spigots. Of your house, I did put those up pretty early. Uh, so, so at least that part. No, you need to have it dripping. Yeah, what he's talking need... about is you open it up ever oh, so slightly. Leaving, the water leaving, runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, so the, yeah. No, I do that. Yeah, the, yeah. That's I'm aware of that. Yeah, that's that's the thing that that will. Yeah, if you don't remember that, that's that's the thing that will freeze your pipes. And I know somebody that was in a, a apartment in apartment complex in Texas. Where one of the one of the apartments that's not used, you know, that's it's empty. Uh, the pipes frozen there and they burst. Like yeah. everybody else's was fine because everybody else is running their, you know, doing the thing, running the water. But yeah, the the apartment that is not currently being rented, pipes burst. So yeah, yeah. that's a thing. Yeah, no. When I was living in my apartment here in Portland, when it, we got the warnings for cold weather. They're like, hey, uh, just leave your pipes dripping a little bit. So, although I do have a question for that: Do you leave the hot water and the cold water it, running, or do you just leave one of them? You should turn them both on a little bit. The reality is, your hot water's a little bit better off because it's in a different pipe, typically because it's hot water. Yeah, uh, it's the answer is both, and it's not so much you want them on full blast, like. No, I know that full yeah. blast, but just turn them a little bit so they yes, drip. Yes, it's the leak yeah. at that point. It, it basically, it's just you want to keep the motion going so it doesn't have time to kind of collect and, you know, freeze. Yeah, moving water's harder to yeah. freeze, yes. Or it will freeze that's and why you have like, through, yeah. Yeah, that's why you have, like, rivers in, like, icy climates. Because yeah, the, the water's... Yeah, I've, I, I have a word I've had one. a variety of conversations since we put that episode up. Uh, my wet... My, my, some time annoyed with uh, <laughs> my, my kind of looking down on the SoCal natives for not doing this. I, I've been a kind of a bit of a jerk on that topic. It's it, it, <laughs> she deserves her annoyance on this topic. She's absolutely right. kind of like, oh, you guys fucking die in snow, ha ha, and that's a little bit shitty. But like, I have kind of realized that they're neat. Like, in the same way that we have like camping classes and survival classes, and like, hi, welcome to the U.S. classes. There needs to be a. So you've moved from a cold climate or from a hot climate to a cold climate, and we also need the opposite, where it's like, so you've moved from a cold climate to a hot climate. Here's some bullshit you've never experienced before, and how to deal with it. Like, maybe I made this joke, maybe I did, but I want to kind of teach a fucking community college class called "So You're Thinking About Moving Out of California." Yeah, (laughs) and and I'm in where I said is kind of. 
like where I'm from, which is Midwest, it's it's Oklahoma. Summers that are over a hundred degrees Fahrenheit, and that are and winters that get to like you know twenty Fahrenheit, and so I'm kind of used to both extremes, having to survive and kind of get through both extremes, having power cut off sometimes in the countryside yeah. just because that happens when it's really cold. But yeah, uh, and so it's like for me, I guess I'm kind of lucky in that I've been kind of aware of both sides though not on the extreme that you would get in places like michigan where it goes way yeah uh, but yeah but also but yeah hotter where i'm from than most places as well i'm not trying to pick on you for alex my guy uses an example for this one of kind of like other stuff you don't expect when you leave a place like california i remember your first summer dealing with humidity and oh, just humidity like sucks gut punch that was like the fuck is going on? I'm like, yeah, fucking 80 humid sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much worse than 100 degrees dry. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, when, uh, it, yeah, when it gets it's, humid, it's miserable. My wife spends a lot of time confused. I'm wearing, like, jeans year-round. She's like, how can you do this? And I'm like, it's dry. I don't give a fuck. Like, humidity is when your clothing sticks to you and is a nightmare. Like, that's when I'm, like, on shorts and, like, bathe after I shower so I can acclimate back to how hellish this existence is. <laughs> oh, no, I stand by. I, I, I've been in Arizona for 120-degree heat, and that sucked. I would still rather a week of that than 90-degree heat with 80% humidity. Oh, God. When I, the places I lived in, in Japan got mad oh, humid. Oh, fucking monsoon oh, season, yeah! Oh my god, it got so bad. Like Tokyo, like it's this during during a monsoon season and then the humidity because it's hot and raining. It's tons of rain and then it's hot. So I mean, I've I've walked through Tokyo where like the rain really uh, literally came up to uh, almost my knees. It was flooding that much. And then it was also really fucking hot at the same time. So, yeah. Humidity, just just horrendous yeah. humidity, and it's still also kind of warm. So, I, I've, I've definitely been through some, like... It's gross. I, I've experienced extreme humidity. Very extreme humidity, and yeah, it's, it, you just feel gross all the time. I mean, I don't... I, it's why... You see a lot of people still wearing suits in Tokyo. Those aren't lined suits. Like the suit coats aren't lined. They're all they're on suit coats. Yeah. Because otherwise you'd just be dying. But yeah, it's that's that's one thing you find like like people wearing suits in the summer in Japan, yeah, you'll still see them because they're going into like, you know, work, you know, whatever. They professional dress. But they aren't lined. They're gonna be way thinner. They're way thinner suits. Like otherwise, you in a thick wool suit with like like thick lining and everything. Well, the thick lining, you would just no. be dying on the on the train. Like even on the train, where people are packed in in the mornings, and and then on the way back, way back home afterwards, it's just like, yeah, humidity sucks. Yeah. I- um, yeah. My my pro tip is if any if you ever compare summers with someone from Washington D.C. they win, they just win. They have the worst summer. Yeah, 
I don't know what it is about <laughs> that place, but like you cannot in continental U.S. There is no worse summer than Washington D.C. from a pure angle of humidity. Like you can drown in that air; it's so thick with water. I do not get how it works. It is gross. Not actually drown; just it feels like you could. But that does it for emails. Uh, Alex, do you feel properly educated about winter now that you've lived through it in a more meaningful way? Sure. I like how this is become a thing. Uh, we just care about your safety, Alex. I appreciate it. <laughs> I will screen out the other emails that are personally attacking you for not enough to survive the cold of the north. <laughs> no, I won't. They're too funny. Uh, but yeah, that does it for emails, which means that does it for this podcast this week. And before we kind of get into wrapping this one up, we do have some kind of fun news. It will be either this week or next week, depending on how well fast I can get this pulled together on my end, because this does require a tad of organization. But we'll be having a guest in the next week or so. so what do you for that? We'll be having an individual from the Indie Arcade Wave podcast. They also have a YouTube channel. You can go check that out. Uh, if you want to send us in some questions specifically about that, yeah, do that, I guess. Uh, obviously, the guy's indie-focused, uh, so expect lots of talk when they show up from Henry and him. <laughs> and me and Alex kind of sit there being like fucking nerds. We play Destiny and cool people games like Outrider. Yeah. <laughs> I just kind of sit there and be like, oh, yes, I too understood the word yeah. indie. Meanwhile, I'm sons. <laughs> I would love to see an indie off occur on that on that episode. <laughs> Who can name the most obscure game possible? <laughs> but yeah, no, go check their stuff out, send them in, you know how we do things around here. This is our first guest in a very fucking long time, I think, since... Alex was technically a guest at one point, so... <laughs> And I, I was, yeah. and I yeah. guess technically kind of like Jeff coming back for our our big. He's just legacy. Yeah, he's a legacy. So yeah. it's not really a guest. He's part I'm of. Sure the we've podcast. done a guest since Alex, since you two joined. Definitely since Henry's joined. But I think maybe yeah, the, the last guest we did was even before Alex. So yeah, no. Send stuff in, or, or you can go the opposite direction. If you want to send us some real weird shit that week. I won't discourage it, because I love our weird emails we get. Please do. Yeah. Especially kind of egregious or heinous food email. Mm. Now's the time. Now's the fucking time. Yes. Yeah, no. Uh, that more or less does it for this week. Anything you two want to talk about before we close this shit out? Um, Not much else, really, other than just, you know, my usual... uh. Social medias, Mave Online, across the board, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook Gaming, uh, did I miss one? No, I think I got them all. Yeah, so. Yes. As for me, I'm Kraken Zero, that's Z-E-R Zero, and... Yeah, that's on Twitch, of course, uh, when I stream, and on Instagram and Facebook, and now Twitter, though Twitter and Facebook are basically just mirrors for my Instagram, which is where I post things. And if I'm going online, I'll be posting on there. Uh, I usually 
mainly I'm posting when I'm going live. I'll also post about this podcast. And yeah, I, yeah, it, but I'll say, yeah, go back and watch some of the FMV marathon VODs on the Sega Crew channel. They're, they're going to be, they're quality. So, and yeah, and people have been showing off some really madcap stuff. So, yeah. Uh, it's the first time I mentioned it's the first time I've actually done anything in a marathon setting, and that was fun as well. Because I set up to where I was having a lot of uh, viewer participation. So I would basically have people in chat suggest a button to press on certain screens. Yeah. And so that was that was also fun. I felt like I got a neat... I, I really wanted that. And that was a game that really lends itself well to chat being a part of the experience. But yeah, that's it for me. Indeed. 4K on Twitter, that's probably the best place to track my stuff. I've, if you want dog photos, go to my Instagram. Same name, but I haven't posted anything since we got Scrim. Oop. Yeah, no. I've, I've just been tired with Yeah, it's it's a good season, starting the Destiny. I don't have to play as much as I wanted to, but trying to get back into it. I, I'm playing my Titan this season, which is weird. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That more or less covers it for this week. Who wants to cut? Or I guess Jeff did technically write in with our magical catchphrase at the end of this, but if one of you two wants to take the honor, I'm not going to stop you. Fair enough. Jeff, do the medal. (laughs) 